Hey, welcome back to Corinth in your car. Um, I think I was wrong last week. I said 43. I think it was 47 that we're on. So now this is 48, I believe. So we're nearing that year mark, uh, thanks to those who have been with us the whole time. And if you're jumping in, welcome to Corinth in your car. I'm Josh. Luke is here at the table and Adam as well. We're here to check in, to review a sermon uh, and talk about how to live it out, uh, but also just to have a little fun at the end. And so you guys ready to uh, to do that? Born ready. All, All right. Way, so yes. let's do what we said we were going to do. Let's check in and just see how was your week. Maybe here's a few fun questions. Adam, have you grilled slash smoked anything on the grill lately? No, I did fire up the griddle. The griddle. The, uh, <laughs> you hit the Blackstone, gritty. Right? I hit the gritty. Yeah, we did the gritty last night. Um, so, yeah, we did smash burgers last night. Um, I do have a uh, pork shoulder in the, the freezer that All right. um, I'll be doing at some point in the near future. Have you found yourself cooking a lot on the Blackstone? Um, for a little bit, yes, that was definitely true. But doggone, guys. It's so hot it's right now. It's hot. Like, I just went out and did six burgers, some grilled onions and grilled squash on it last mm-hmm. night. And um, it only took about 15 minutes to do. But I came in and it was just like sweet dripping in sweat yeah. so yeah seasoned food yes <laughs> very in the air conditioning yeah uh, lots of salt on it all right how about this has there been a golf shot you're particularly proud of lately i uh i didn't get to play golf i was um kind of down with some yeah, um, yeah. some uh su- some stuff for the past couple of weeks and so um we went and played nine holes on tuesday that was the first time I'd played in like two weeks. So no, the answer is no. No, <laughs> no shots that I was proud of um, from that. But we play tomorrow, so hopefully, cool. hopefully tomorrow. Good will be luck, better. Luke. Are you? You know, last week you revealed to the audience that you are now a gym person. <laughs> yeah. So are you still a gym hey, person? One weekend we're still strong. All right. You can, uh, you can ask me on Sunday to pull up the Planet Fitness app, and I can prove to you that it has, <laughs> has uh, multiple check-ins. Um, and right. yeah, we were, we've, um, we were there, uh, every day except, uh, last week, except Sunday. And then we, br- uh, took a break on Sunday and uh, today's Thursday. We've been Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning so far. All right. Cool. So what I'm, kind of, what kind of, what kind of plan are we doing here? So, so I'm just trying to do as much cardio as I can, um, to start with, uh, some weight loss. Uh, I'll do some occasional strength stuff. Mainly, uh, I'm more doing the strength stuff to familiarize myself with all of the equipment that they have in there and the muscles that you, and, and the muscles that you possess. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sure. But, <laughs> but the main focus is cardio, trying to burn some calories and limit the amount of calorie intake, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So, um, this morning was actually a, a good morning. I did, uh, I burned 450 calories in 25 minutes, um, on the treadmill and, uh, I ran, longer and faster than I remember being able to run since I was like maybe 18 or 19 years old. So it's nice. Nice. There you go. My legs don't feel good now, but, um, it's been, it's been a good one. How about, how about you on the golf shot, the disc golf shot? Is there one you're proud of lately? Yes, it is. Uh, there, there is. So, well, uh, let's keep going then. I don't want to hear about it. I'm just kidding. Tell us. (laughs) No. So on, on Saturday morning, um, I play in a league, um, and our league was at Cab Memorial Park, which is a newer disc golf course kind of on the east side of Atlanta, right off of 20. And uh, hole one is about a 220-foot straight shot um, downhill because you kind of throw off the top of a little cliff, and then it goes down, and you have to, like, take stairs to get around and down to where the basket's at. 
um, first shot of the day. Like I got, I got there and I only did some putting to warm up. I didn't do like any full throws. Um, and so first shot of the day, get up there and it is straight as a whistle flying perfectly. Um, and it hits the cage on the Ooh, basket. Really? Inches away from inches away from being uh, being an ace, and it just hit the cage, and it stopped right there. And I I got to start off hole number one with a birdie that I didn't even have to putt on because I just picked (laughs) up my disc and tapped it in. So Uh it was it was tap it in. It was good. (laughs) In all of that, the only thing I can think of is like, is a whistle really straight? Yeah, I don't know that I said that phrase and was literally thinking, where did that even come from? Where does that come? As I said it, because I don't know. Yeah, our whistles straight as a whistle. Our whistles straight. Straight as an arrow, straight as a. I guess, I guess, like you know, the old-fashioned, like the like a dog whistle or, or a something. slide whistle. You kind of have to make it straight, I guess, to make it. I don't know. A slide whistle straight. By the way, if you want a fun game, uh, get the you know the dog whistle app and just play it around people younger than you because their ears will go crazy and yours won't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yep. that's the troll <laughs> move of the century. Yeah, oh, well, that's great. there. Yeah. Luke, it, Luke may still be able to. Josh, turn it off. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> they're actually. So I remember years ago reading that there was uh, some restaurants, like bars or pubs in, mm-hmm. in England, that did not want teenagers around. So they just played that that high pitch uh, whistle noise because anybody below the age of twenty five would just be their ears are you know on fire. But anybody like thirties, forties couldn't hear it. So. That's anyway, funny. fun stuff. Also fun stuff is uh, our, our sermon series we're in, Retold. It's been fun. We're in week eight, and we got one more next week. Um, fun story, once again, feeding in the 5,000. And uh, part of it was that the crowd had some pretty big broken expectations. Um, we'll get to that in a minute, but just a few more minutes of fun here. Any, like, broken expectations moments in your life that come to mind either funny or Possibly maybe just a little bit on a serious note, if it, if it needs to be life lesson type stuff, what did you learn from breaking expectations? Um, well, I shared uh, about the um, experience of being a Texas Longhorns fan for the last 13 years, um, and that's broken expectation just about every year, but not gonna, it's not going to be this year. This year, <laughs> I will not have my expectations broken. Check right? back in in December yeah, and I'll see if you're probably say the, the same, same thing, thing later. Um, I do have no expectations. They can't be broken. Right. There you go. <laughs> I still do have some expectations, though. Um, we've got Arch Manning. Man. It's, it's it's turning around. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the savior has come. <laughs> um, I, the, I remember one time, this is a food-related one, because um, I feel like everybody's probably got a food-related broken expectation. Um, one of my favorite shows when I was a kid was uh, was the Cosby Show with the Huxtables mm-hmm. and um theo the the middle child son in that family his favorite food was a bacon burger dog and so i'm like this kid and i'm watching this show and mm-hmm. i'm like my favorite character in this show likes bacon burger dogs i like bacon i like burgers i like hot dogs i gotta try this and so uh so we we ended up doing it and trying it one night and i was so excited for it but it was it was just not very good <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> not a good combo to mix all those three things together so i was a little bit disappointed there broken expectation thought it was going to be the best i think we've all probably ordered something online thinking that it was going to be like something super fantastic it's like wow this is amazing i got this for you know dollar 79 and this is Uh going to change my life and um just doesn't yeah um so i I think that we've all probably done that um like um, a couple weeks ago um i lose golf balls on the golf course i know it's probably a shock but um (laughs) they 
sometimes. Especially if you play at Bear Creek. Yeah, yeah, you can lose some some there. I'm getting better at, at not losing them there. But um, anyway, so it's like I need a ball retriever, and so I found one on like some online shop to where it cost me like four seventy nine or something <laughs> like that in free shipping, and so it came in. And yeah, that was a bit of a disappointment. So. <laughs> Could you send it back? Oh no! no I mean, it it cost more to overseas. send it. Yeah, it, okay. it definitely yeah. came from overseas. Um, definitely, definitely came from overseas. <laughs> and um, so yeah, it cost more to send it back and all those other kind of things. So yeah, just I think we've all probably you like, got somebody a Christmas gift. <laughs> yeah, it's a white, white elephant. elephant. Yeah, yeah. white sure. elephant. There you go. Sure. We have a box of just white elephant gifts. So whenever we have a party, we just go to the box. We don't have to buy anything or get anything. We just have something. One of uh, saved. one of my favorite white elephant gifts that I ever gave was a um, ceramic white elephant. There you it go. Hilar- it was hilarious. Yeah. You had to be there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> broken expectations. I remember in college we were assigned a broken expectations or a breaking expectations assignment. It was for a psychology class. So that was interesting yeah. to. To hear how how people would just go and kind of do these odd things to see how people reacted. What did you and do? So, oh, um, I you don't want to hear what I did. It was kind of lame right now. So it's kind of lame. I'll tell you, I did, I'll I tell you later. Thing. Yeah. I shopped out of people's yeah. grocery carts at the uh, at the store. Yeah, and that was fun. Yeah, that was uh, that um, was pretty fun. No broken expectations. Uh, I guess you said food a while ago. One time I got um, I ate Cheesecake Factory and got food poisoning so bad that. I sweat through my sheets. <clears throat> like we woke up in the middle of the night and we had to change the sheets. They were so wet Yikes. from sweat. And it was the night before a middle school uh, conference up in Kentucky. And so I, I didn't know what I had. And so I was about ready to say, I can't go y'all. Cause I got like yeah. 103 degree fever. And anyway, it broke and we figured it was food poisoning. And so I went anyway and mm-hmm. I was fine. You know, no, I didn't spread any germs or anything. So it's not to get it too. No. So no. it was whatever I ordered. And I don't remember. It was 10 years ago at this point. So the lesson is don't go to Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, what, I, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> the menu is too confusing. Too, too many options. Yeah, there, there are a lot of options at the Cheesecake yeah. Factory. Yeah. Like, what, what genre of food are you? All, All of them. them. All of them. All of them. All of them. One of the options is food poisoning, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, it it's, comes in one out of every three meals. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little asterisk on the menu, like this comes with. This comes yeah. with. Uh, all right, story this week for uh, the, the message Sunday retold number eight was the feeding of the 5,000. It's a very popular story. Um, just actually top of my head right now, uh, one of the only stories that all four Gospels tell. Yes. Besides mm-hmm. uh, crucifixion stuff. So anyway, um, it's a big one. It's very important. And so Luke, recap it. I mean, it's a re- the whole chapter, basically 60-something verses, but recap it in just a, a few sentences here. Yeah, so a few sentences. Um, there's the large crowd. Jesus is teaching this large crowd. Their stomachs start to get hungry, and Jesus wants to feed them um, and begins to have that conversation with his disciples. And he's like, well, let's, let's feed them. The disciples are like, you've lost your mind. This is going to cost us so much money. Um, and even if we could figure out the, the finances, like it would be ridiculous logistics to even go to each town and get enough food for all these people. Mm -hmm. Um, it would take too much time too. And so, um, 
they're just like, what are, what are we going to do? And, and John, uh, which is where we were on Sunday, um, you get this little uh, tidbit of the story about how Philip brings a boy to Jesus, um, and they basically commandeer his lunch. I, I, th- I do think it's funny. When we hear this in Sunday school, we, we do hear it as uh, this boy offered the lunch to Jesus and the disciples. Uh, but when you look at the text, that really doesn't that, that, that doesn't really come across at all. It could have just mm. been like, uh, oh, there's that little boy there that's got food. Hey, kid. Hey, kid. Hey, kid. You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah. all that sort of stuff. But they get, they get the kid, uh, food from the boy, five loaves, two fish. Um, Jesus multiplies that um, and feeds everybody, 5,000. That's just men, uh, including women and children. They think probably anywhere from fifteen to 20,000, uh, which perspective is about about State Farm Arena. If you're going to Atlanta Hawks game, that's about State Farm Arena right there. Jesus feeds um, everybody bread and fish. They take 12 baskets left over. Everybody's like, okay, that was awesome. We've got to make Jesus king because we think he's the Messiah. Jesus says, nope, uh, and he sneaks away. The disciples get in a boat and start to head back across the lake, and that's whenever you actually have the story of Jesus walking on the water in John chapter 6 and Mm -hmm. um, in some of the other Gospels. That story follows right after Jesus walks on the water. That happens all at night. But then the next day um, is where the story really continues, and that's where I wanted to spend a lot of time yesterday because – we heard, like we've heard this story. You've mentioned already. It's a really, really popular story. So we've heard this story of the feeding of the five thousand over and over and over again. And I think we often miss just kind of the rush of the crowd to kind of figure out what's going on. And so, you know, Jesus catches up with the disciples after walking on the boat. They head back, head back to Capernaum, and the very next day, like the very next morning, uh, the crowd is like trying to find Jesus. All of these people that he just fed they are searching and searching and searching for Jesus. And so they eventually find him in Capernaum and then they begin to have a conversation um, where Jesus makes the claim that he's the bread of life. Um, and they start to wrestle through that. And they ultimately, because of some hard things Jesus said, and because of some expectations that they had that were broken, end up walking away um, from Jesus. So, yeah, there's a an interesting connection. Uh, the story of the roof from last week, also Capernaum. So same place. So just interesting there. Lots of ministry of Jesus happened in that city. Yeah, they and, think um, that's where he had his home base set up. Uh, yeah, so Peter, Peter mother, Peter's mother-in-law. Peter's house and, uh, and that sort of stuff. Actually, uh, so one cool cool thing on our uh, Israel trip a few months ago, uh, we saw the remains of a 4th century synagogue that was built right on top of the 1st century synagogue. So you that's can cool. still see the, the synagogue where Jesus would have wow. taught in some of the places. So. Really, really neat. Um, really, really cool stuff. Adam, what do you think about this story as you read through kind of sermon this time? Um, it's a popular story. You read yeah. lots before, but what hit you this time? What jumped out to you this time? Um, I, I think that one of the things um, for, for me is just, you know, thinking about where we were yesterday and those things is, is I really just appreciated the, the focus on um, the, the crowd and how easy it is to just kind of misunderstand or apply our own, maybe that's a better way to say it, to apply our own expectations and desires onto Jesus instead of letting him define yeah. um, who he is. And so, because like for me, one of the things I went to just in my brain as I was just sitting reading through it and stuff was um, just, this happens to Jesus on a couple of occasions. Um, the one that I was really thinking about was the triumphal entry. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I preached a message on that years ago, and I think I, I actually 
title the message. Normally, I don't title the messages. It's just like, you know, part one. Part one. Um, <laughs> you titled it part one. Yeah, exactly. Part one. Um, but it was like when Jesus doesn't do what you want him to do because they in that moment wanted him to be king and those kind of things. And here it's the same sort of thing. Right. Um, he's just not going to do what the crowd wants him to do. And so for me, um, this is a, a side tangent of it. It's just like Jesus was so – he was so um, aware and confident of his identity mm-hmm. that he didn't allow the crowd to shape him to do things that um, he knew he didn't need to know d- mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Um, and so that was – that's just – that's just always something about Jesus whenever we're reading stories like this. It's just like it, it's inspiring to, to me of just like, yeah. oh, wait, whenever you know who you are, then you know what you do and, and what you don't do as well. And yeah. so it's just the, the, the firm identity. This is one of the seven I am statements. I think it's the first it's one. The first one. Yep. Uh, in the book of John mm-hmm. uh, where Jesus is like, this is who I am. So that, that's, that's kind of where my brain always goes um, with this portion of the story. I mean, I think the first portion of the story is always just incredible application of Jesus takes something that's insignificant and can do something mm-hmm. significant. And, you know, we do need to bring what we have in our hands and lay it right. before Jesus and he can do amazing things. So I, I yeah. appreciate- and, and sometimes uh, what we have to lay before Jesus is the surrendering of those broken expectations. Exactly. Right. So yeah. you, you yeah. play that out a little bit and you see it. Coming. I remember a uh, sermon years ago. I don't remember where I heard this, but I remember the line. They just asked this question over and over. What's your five and two? So what is your five and two that you got to bring? Because uh, the boy brought his five and two, you know? So what's your five and two? Um, small things, but Jesus can do big things. But yeah, slightly different kind of direction, Luke, that you went with it. Um, I always like to ask this question because um, sometimes we don't get to geek out on a Sunday morning. That's not really the best place to do that. We want to to be effective and kind of laser focused and stuff. But what were some of the geek out moments as you studied just some things that maybe you didn't know before or some cool connections throughout the other gospels or just things like that? Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot, there's, uh, some really, really big connections to old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, as you look yeah. through the story, um, you see that in, uh, the way that Jesus has them divided, you see that. Yeah, so in groups of what, 50? Groups of 50 yeah. um, and and of 100, um, depending on which gospel account um, you're reading the story in. And and the reason uh, that, you know, the, the the reason I think that so many of them are, are getting pumped up because they think the Messiah is here is because mm-hmm. of that. So, so you got this like a massive crowd. It looks yeah. like a military, and it would have been natural for a military leader to go ahead and divide up into platoons sure. of 50. And you see that in the Old Testament. That's what Moses does with the Israelites, and they have this set up. And so, okay, we're going to divide into groups of 10 and 50 and 100 and 200, and that's how they, how they did things. And so you're sitting in this crowd thinking, oh, my goodness, has the Messiah come? And we're, like, we're ready. Like, let's go look at, look at this crowd. There's, there's yeah. 5,000 of us dudes. That's enough to do something like let's, let's roll. Yeah, and so Jesus, what else, what else did Moses do in the wilderness? He fed them. Well, he fed yeah. the manna, which uh-huh. will come up later in the conversation uh-huh. yeah. um, a, a, as well. And so they're, they're like pumped up and ready to go. Um, really just go down to Rome and make some trouble and <laughs> let's see what we can do uh, type of thing. And so it's, it is the, the grouping of the 50 um, that, that happens there. I think the Passover connection too, as well. Um, I think your dad, Josh pointed out in some of his stuff that, um, the fact that it's Passover 
uh, kind of around that season, many of them are already on their way to Jerusalem anyway. Sure. And because it's Passover, that's like that's like Israel's Fourth of July. Exactly. And so yeah. they are they are pumped up in kind God, of this patriot, country patriotic, is... nationalistic way, and yep. it's like. Okay, because it's Passover, uh-huh. now the Messiah is here. He's dividing us up into groups of 50. Let's go. Like, let, we're already not going down to Rome anyway. We might as well go and make some trouble. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of, the expect, some of one of the expectations that they had that, that ended up being broken. Any, um, uh, any significance to the 12 baskets? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, and what's funny is Jesus actually points out that significance later, um, and the disciples don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... There is the a connection to the twelve and a connection to the seven that comes from the feeding of the four thousand, mm-hmm. um, which is a different story. John does not have that story, but it's in some of the other gospels. Mark, uh, Mark is feeding of the five thousand is Mark chapter six, feeding of the four thousand is Mark chapter eight. Mm-hmm. And after Jesus feeds the five thousand, they have twelve baskets of leftovers. After Jesus feeds the four thousand, they have seven baskets of leftovers. Mm-hmm. And a um, lot of different theories have been thrown out about that. What I think is that in the 12 baskets, Jesus is communicating that I have come to nourish and sustain the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. And then whenever he goes and he feeds the 4,000, which geographically uh-huh. is in a different location, yep. it's in the Decapolis, mm-hmm. which is Gentile territory. Um, he, he takes up seven baskets. And I think that that's his way of saying, I have also come to nourish and sustain the Gentiles. Yeah, because seven is, is this number of completion. Well, seven is the number of completion, but there was one one thing that I was reading that made the connection of seven all the way back to, uh, let me pull it up, uh, Deuteronomy um, chapter seven, verse one, um, which says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, count them, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. All of those nations uh, would have been in the Decapolis. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is taking up seven. There is could be some reference to, I'm actually coming to sustain and to nourish even, even the nations even, yeah. that you, yeah. you cast out. And so cool. it's, it's 12 because I've come in to, to sustain and nourish the 12 tribes it's seven because i'm also here for the gentiles too yeah yeah great so uh john also doesn't have a traditional like last supper um account i mean he does in the in the room but he doesn't talk about communion per se um and so some people are like yeah well actually he does it's john chapter six it's the feeding of the five thousand <laughs> right jesus says um you gotta you know eat my flesh and that's kind of weird because he's yeah. basically like gnaw on me like beef jerky mm-hmm. and that's just a weird image and so of course jesus is going to confuse people it's weird it's awkward all that all that sort of stuff um i love what stuck out to me is the focus on the crowd and i think that's excellent for us to just talk through um because crowds crowds can get us in trouble <laughs> you know <laughs> crowds in the bible uh, got us into trouble. I know, Adam, I remember hearing you speak on this years ago. Um, and it's just, that's always stuck with me about how, you know, the crowd all the way back with Moses, they kind of yeah. decided, hey, let's make this golden calf. That was the crowd's idea. And what you referenced a while ago, the, the crowd with the triumphal entry um, quickly turned and said, crucify him. Uh, any other crowd moments in the Bible that you guys think of? Well, I think in one way, the the crowd... Um, voted to send 
um, Joseph into slavery. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. So you think I think of judges too. The people did what was right yeah. in their own eyes. That's the crowd. Yeah. Uh, great is Artemis of the Ephesians for hours upon crowd hours chance. upon hours. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I think that um, it, you know you go back to the story of Moses. The crowd, if he would have listened to them, they would have gone back to Egypt. They would have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, normally the crowd doesn't do very well. So. I want to go back so, to Egypt. I'm so glad that we don't have that problem anymore, though. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the crowds in nice, our culture. Nice segue to the next question. <laughs> What's dangerous about the crowds? And then, you know, how can the crowd get us into trouble? Just kind of where, where do we, here in 2023 America, experience the crowd mentality mostly in our lives? Hmm. I guess what arenas is what I'm looking at right now. What places um, I think I think one of the unique things about crowds is that it isolates us into thinking that we're right because we're with them. Okay. So, so you've got this this crowd here in this story of feeding the five thousand. They they are all they are all ready to die on a hill together um, because they are so convinced that they are expecting the right things from Jesus. And if you you know if you're a part of that crowd it's going to be really, really hard for you to hear anything else. Um, the, the apostles stayed, I think, because they had um, some more context than the crowd did. Um, but mm-hmm. had Peter, James, John, and all of that had their first in experience with Jesus would have been the feeding of the 5,000. I don't know that they would have stayed too. Like there's something about being um, in a crowd that actually isolates us into, into thinking that we're, some, we're so right um, that nothing else can, can – Right. So, Adam, where where do we see crowds in our life? Um, well, just to say? piggy on that, yeah. I, I think that to piggyback on that, the I think the psychology of it is is that well, surely we're right because not this many people could be wrong. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's why we keep running into this direction because there's no way this many people could be wrong about this. Um, and so um, I think that's why we. We go to to the crowd. Um, if you look at where we see it in our lives, I mean, it's 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 all the obvious subject uh, uh, suspects. It's social media. Um, it's the it's um, our political affiliations. It's our um, it, it's the uh, peer groups that are around us, whether or not we are in those circles or not. Um, it's still the crowd, mm-hmm. and so we can find ourselves wanting to go along with them, whether that's at the office, whether that's at school, whether that's you're, you're on this uh, travel team or something of that nature. And so um, it, they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. An additional question I would ask you, especially for today, when you bring up things like social media, political affiliations, all these different things, uh, there's no denying that there are crowds. Uh, one of the questions of skepticism that I would offer for us to think through is who who is it that's controlling the crowd and what agenda are they trying to accomplish? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. the, you, ha- you have to ask those questions, too, because that will kind of get you um, beyond just this crowd mentality or tribalistic group um, mm-hmm. that, that really is detrimental to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's yeah. trying to pull the strings? Correct. Yeah. yeah so you, you um, <clears throat> kind of walked through the crowd. and. Um, you said they were a seeking crowd, a misguided crowd, a murmuring crowd, a confused crowd. And then 
finally a departing crowd. Um, I think they depart because number one, they're seeking the wrong thing. So walk us through just a little bit of that um, kind of rehash it, I guess, like you, you preach about it, but re uh, rehash a little bit. What were they seeking? What were they demanding? What and why were they murmuring? Um, things like that. Yeah. I mean, so, so it's, they were a seeking crowd. Obviously they were, they were trying to find Jesus. And, um, I, I really do think that, um, after he had fed the 5,000 and, and it's evidence in this, that they wanted to make him King. I really do think that they thought he was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, a hundred percent. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the prophet. There are too many connections to old Testament. Moses, even, uh, Elisha had a similar story where he, um, was able to feed a multitude with bread and, um, stuff mm-hmm. whenever there was some famine in the land. Um, and so, so they're thinking, man, this, this has got to be the guy. And so whenever he leaves, they're like, oh no, we lost him. We got to go find him. So they're, they are seeking him, um, with, expectations that eventually end up being broken and in this conversation that you see is actually where the expectations are broken so you move from a seeking crowd to the total opposite which is a leaving crowd Mm -hmm. Um, but they wrestle in between and so they first start to wrestle um whenever they approach jesus and he begins to kind of expose what they really want is not something that he really came to do and so he talks about how they've been they've been focused on just the here and now they want relief now. They want sustenance now. Um, and Jesus reveals to them, that's not actually what I've come for. I've come to give you life. I've come to meet your greatest and ultimate need. And they, they have a hard time wrapping their mind around that. And so mm-hmm. they become misguided in the way even that they approach Jesus. And they start to make some requests uh, of him. So uh, and they make three. It's, uh, why don't you give us the power to do what you can do um, so that we can be mm-hmm. okay now? Uh, why don't you show us more signs so that we're confident that you're going to take care of us now? Mm-hmm. And, uh, hey, would you feed us every day? Because we want our bellies full now, and right? the and common so, word is? Now, now, right? So it's these yeah. groups of entitled people. I think I made some comparisons to them, like they're a bunch of toddlers or teenagers or whatever. Um, but, <laughs> because but yeah, so, us adults don't ever right, no, get entitled no, or impatient, right? <laughs> not at all. We don't and ever so, say now. So it's out of uh, out of their... Um, it's, it's whenever they're misguided that Jesus actually says that I am statement that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, which is actually something similar uh, that he said just two chapters ago to the Samaritan woman at the well, Uh Um, I'm the living water. Um, and, uh, if you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. She says the same thing. Give me some of that now, Mm -hmm. right? Like she's thinking that this is something that's going to be able to sustain and nourish her current physical need. Um, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He begins to explain this. Verse 40, he says, for it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. And this causes the crowd to start to murmur, to start to disagree, to start to complain a little bit. And so they became this murmuring crowd as they're trying to make sense of what of what Jesus says. And then I love uh, where they get next. They, they end up being a confused crowd. And Jesus basically just says, stop complaining what I, about what I said. <laughs> stop, stop complaining about what I said. And they become confused. Um, Jesus then confuses them even more with the, I mean, the cannibalistic uh, yeah. language. Um, Eat yeah. my flesh, drink my blood, uh, which makes sense to us now because we've seen that he's actually referencing um, what he's going to accomplish on the cross. Um, they don't know that now uh, in that moment, though. So what Jesus says is weird, and they end up eventually leaving. Um, many of his disciples, 
said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? So at that point, many of them turned away and deserted him. Yeah, so here, here's a follow-up question. Um, this is this is hard, like you just said. It's it's a hard statement. Many they they actually just said that this is difficult. Um, and I was <laughs> I was looking through a and a Bible I have that has like little margins that you can write in, and I was just looking at it this morning, and I saw this note I had made a couple years ago or whatever, and so it, it got me to ask this question. So Adam, I'll start with you. Um, on this on this verse, I wrote, uh, "There's two types of hard." <laughs> Hard to understand or easy to understand, but hard to do. So which one is this? Is it hard to understand or is it hard to do? Um, I think for them, I, I think the answer is probably it was just hard to understand. Because without the hindsight of the cross of seeing what Jesus had come to do, I, I don't fault the crowd for not getting it. Yeah, I agree. Especially as much as it would be easy to fault them in 2023 when we're looking back. Correct. Now for us, correct. That's I would going, yeah. I would say it's more of the easy to understand, hard to do. But even with that, I think that even with all of the gospels, all the letters of Paul, the entire New Testament, Old Testament as well. That telling someone, trying to find the verse, what verse is it? Uh, what, eat my flesh, that one? Yes. So it's 56. Okay. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me. Yeah. And I in him. Yeah. That yeah. One. My flesh is true food. That's 55. And my blood is true drink. So even with <laughs> all of the context of everything, mm -hmm. I'd still say it's not the easiest thing to understand. Um, because it takes a lot of explanation to be able to sit and go, okay, so here's what, mm -hmm. here's what Jesus is re really, really talking about, because yeah. it's easy even now in, in these days to just go, oh, well, he's obviously, he's just talking about, I need to take communion all the time. So, <laughs> I, you, you which know, is part of it, but just part of it, yeah. but it's an oversimplistic uh -huh. reading of it. And that's why I love the way that, um, you know, you referenced it just a couple of minutes ago. You know, what he's talking about is this idea of like gnawing. Mm -hmm. And so there, yeah. it's not a just consume mm -hmm. me. It's a um, chewing on, chew on this, chew on my teachings, chew on well, what I'm asking you to do. It's been a few weeks since we referenced Tim Keller. So why don't we do that now? Yeah. <laughs> he's talked before uh, about the gospel being like a piece of like hard candy. Yeah. And so if you try to like a jawbreaker or a really hard peppermint, if you try to just chew that up, you're going to break a tooth. Right. But what you do is you suck on it and you slowly consume it for hours and hours and hours yep. or minutes and minutes and minutes, whatever. And that's when the truth of the gospel sits in. So what Jesus is saying is like, gnaw on me. Yep. I'm not here to just, you know, it's not a quick fix. This is a, a yep. whole life. And, Chew on it. Think about it. And, and it some, in some ways, what he's actually saying to the crowd is, I know you're about to, I know you're about to leave, but hang with me. That's a good point too. Hang, yeah. hang with me, um, yeah. hang with me, hang with me, um, and and then they end up. No, I do think, especially for the crowd, it's hard to understand because you've got to remember what they're dealing with are expectations that they realize are being broken, mm -hmm. and that like whenever that happens in our own lives, the first questions we start to ask are why, mm -hmm. right? So like it's mm -hmm. an understanding thing um, for for them, no doubt. Yeah, and you know the gospels only tell us part of all the story, so what we don't know is how many of those disciples that departed came back eventually 
oh, how many of them became right. Christians? And, yeah. and we, you know, I, I assume many did. I, I mean, I hope, yeah. you know, absolutely. I can only hope. Well, and, and two, and we don't, we don't know. I mean, it seems like it was a large number, but we don't even know. So if there's 5,000 men there, we're talking 20,000 people, uh-huh. 15, yeah, to 20, 15 to 20,000 20, yeah. people. Yep. So how many of the 15 to 20,000 went? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I assume, right. It, I mean, the text that does the text says most of them, most of them, it does not say all of them. Right. And so there are those right. that, that stuck around. And I, so I assume that many, it means far uh-huh. m- majority, but it was, I guess my point is, is it wasn't just the 12 that hung around. Sure. It right. was the 12 that had the conversation specifically Correct. Simon Peter on behalf of the 12. Right. And, yeah. But yeah, I remember my, my dad talking about college lectures and he always had a class right before lunch and he said the best lecture uh that i'll give is not one where you just agree with and walk out and that's that it's the lecture that you're like struggling with and you're mm-hmm. talking about even arguing about um, at, at lunch and you're still talking about it because i you know there's a cliffhanger that was left there was this this discussion that needed to be had and that's essentially kind of what jesus does it says hey, hey here's some food for thought for the next year <laughs> that's fun yeah <laughs> Okay, um, so this is, in some senses, both types of heart. It's hard to understand, and it's hard to live. And that's really where you went, is it's, it's hard to live sometimes. And Luke, your, your two uh, application points were, I expect Jesus to make my life easier, and then I expect Jesus to save me, but not have authority. That's kind of like, uh, we want Jesus to be our Savior, but not, a, not our Lord. So yeah. let's talk about those. Um. I expect Jesus to make my life easier. Several, several things were listed out for you or for, for us in the sermon, just what we would expect Jesus to do to make our lives easier. Adam, which ones, I guess, stick out to you most when you think about this question? What, what do people, us included, normally think that Jesus is going to do for us to make our lives easier? I, I mean, I think that you just go to the everyday stuff. I think there's just this assumption whenever we first become believers that every single problem that we have is going to be um, eradicated or um, just made simpler to handle. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, it's not reality. That's the, the false expectation. And it's through our continually walking with him. It's through our um, process of discipleship and becoming uh, the person that he's created us to be that we kind of start to realize it's like wait a second hardship is a part of this um, when in the history of um faithdom <laughs> faithdom nice <laughs> of faithdom has um god ever exempted his people from hardship right the answer is never never and so um, I think that that's just the thing that we have to be corrected on. And if we're not correctable, then we find ourselves following the path of the crowd. Well, and if we're not correctable, just to speak biblical language, according to Proverbs, then we're fools. Well, I- I- exactly. Sure. You know? what, what really is going on with the crowd here and with often some of what we do is that that crowds try to try to put Jesus into their own box. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we're actually communicating to him that we know better than he does what he's supposed to do. 
And so for the crowd, it's we know better than you what you're supposed to do. Lead us down to Rome right now so we can overthrow this Roman Empire, that you can uh, restore glory to Israel and so that you can take care of us and satisfy our needs day in and day out. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus has something better in mind, but they're not able to understand that because they're trying to package Jesus into this box. And so you talk about our crowds today. Um, man, they, they do the same thing. We try to we try to put Jesus into this box and say, well, I know that this is what Jesus said, but I think he'd actually be okay with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that this is the way that Jesus lived, but I, I don't know that I can do this and all that sort of stuff. And so sometimes when we approach this first false expectation that we sometimes have, it's like uh, Jesus, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, Jesus promised that he's going to be with us. And I mean, some of some of the Christians that I know um, seem to have their life put together pretty well, right? So if I, if I become a Christian and I start to follow Jesus, I'm actually going to box him and package him up a little bit and make it mm-hmm. so that um, I'm not supposed to experience any trouble. And that's just not the reality because Jesus never intended for you to not experience trouble. Jesus intended to point you to the hope mm-hmm. of one day when you won't. Yeah, because even later in John, I mean, it's John sixteen thirty three, mm-hmm. as he's wrapping up and like getting ready to go to the cross, he makes his money back guarantee statement of yep. in this world, you will have trouble. Yeah. And so that's where often we just miss that and we forget that. And especially, I think, whenever we first become Christians, um, I think that's where it is. So, like, I look at the crowd and... Of these five things that Luke pointed out, um, number they got one of them right. Okay, they sought Jesus out, seeking. Yeah, yes, they had that part right. And were their motives pure? No, but doggone it, how many of us become Christians with <laughs> yeah. slightly impure yeah. motives, or at the most basic Absolutely. reason, the only reason I want to become a Christian is I don't want to go to hell whenever I die. It's like, right. okay, that's a, it's a, start. it's a reason. It's a starting point, <laughs> right? But you can't spend the rest of your life just going, well, I don't have to go to hell, so this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing I want from, from Jesus. And so the crowd had that part right, but because they wouldn't listen to what he had to say, that's what leads them down the scale of departing. And I think for a lot of us, as whenever we become Christians, I think about, I think about students, I think about adults even as well, whenever we become When somebody puts their faith in Jesus, it often starts off with that, well, I just know life isn't the way I want it to be. I want want life to be better, and I want to be better at life. Mm -hmm. And listen, Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life, okay? Those are true statements. Yes. But we can't just stay there and say, so that means he's going to do things the way I want them to do. And so that's what leads to people today getting misguided, murmuring, they're confused, and then eventually they, they depart is because they are at this place to where it's just like, well, you're he, supposed to make my life easier, and it didn't get easier. And so it's just those, it's that false expectation. Yeah, I think a, a great differentiation that you made is, uh, you know, the, the lie is I expect Jesus to make my life easier. The truth is Jesus does make your life better. Mm-hmm. So easier isn't always better. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I have sore muscles right now to, to prove it. <laughs> well, and so like I've yeah. been reading a lot of John Maxwell lately, like one of his his statements is everything worth having is uphill. Absolutely. And yeah. so there's nothing in life that's worth having 
that is um, downhill. You don't coast your way into shape. You don't coast exactly. your way into a good marriage, all of it. And so that's it. And following Jesus is the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, just real quick here, I guess, what are some best practices? Uh, Luke, I'll start with you to remind ourselves of Jesus's true intention. So maybe some daily rhythms or things to say, or just what sticks into your mind. Yeah, I think, um, Adam pointed this out in, uh, in sermon notes. I, I think the answer is what Jesus has, has revealed to the crowd right before they left. Okay. And it is to knock. No, no, no. Stick with me. Hang with me. Not not on me. Stay with me. Feed on my word. Um, and you, you develop rhythms uh, uh-huh. like you're talking about. And, and remember the goal. I think, I think sometimes in Christianity, we, we often, we often misinterpret the goal of what we're trying to do. Um, where Jesus saves us, we get the spirit, the spirit begins to transform us. And sometimes we we focus on, I want to be transformed into the image of Christ, which we should want that. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we make that the goal, and then it ends up actually harming us. The goal is not to be like Jesus. The goal is to know Jesus. The goal is to know him intimately. And it's out of that relationship that we actually begin to look like him. And so it is gnawing on him, gnawing on him, gnawing on him. It's getting to know him. Because the more that you know somebody, the more that you know what it is that they're asking. Um, and so, yeah, I would just say it's, it's, it's knowing, it's knowing, it's being, becoming intimate with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Adam, anything to add? Best yeah. practices? I, and I think that, so the text gives us the, the, the path. He says in verse 28 and 29, your job is this, believe in me, but believe in me. Mm-hmm. And then later he says, feed on my flesh. Okay. And so it's to believe in the bread and it's to feed on the bread. And it is to trust him with everything that we have. But then it is also the gnawing thing that Luke is talking about over here is, um, you know, just continuing to do that. There's later, I can't remember if it's in John or you guys might remember this, but he's like, um, uh, my meat and my drink is to do the will of the father. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I have food that you you don't know about. Yeah. Earlier in John um, at the well. But yeah, yes, that's right. That's right. It's John Ford. Before, yes, before John he sends him off to go get food. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so the thing that we're feeding on is is doing his is doing the will, and that's through the rhythm of prayer. That's through the study of scripture and the feeding on it, and uh, through obedience and doing those kind of things. So I think that's that's what it is. Cool. Um, number two, I expect Jesus to save me, but not have authority. So here we are in America. Um, why do you think Americans in particular? Uh, that it's easy for us maybe to drift into this line of, of thinking for Jesus to save us but not have authority, not be able to tell us what to do, you know? What do you think? Don't tread on me. <laughs> there you go. All right. I mean, we are a, a, a nation founded on um, independence. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And over the past, how many years? Let me see what year is this. 200 and, 200 and uh, almost 50 years. Uh-huh. Is that right? Or, Did I do that math right? We're closing be, in, so it's like what forty-seven? Forty-seven? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 Two hundred forty-seven years. So almost two hundred fifty years. Um, it is morphed into this. Nobody has the right to tell me to do anything, which right. is never what independence was about. Whenever the founding fathers were doing their right. thing, and even to borrow the cliche of the money, you know, in God we trust. Yeah. 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 Right. So it, it was never supposed to mean codependence, what, really. Exactly. It was never supposed uh, to mean what we've made it to mean. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what it is, is that we're in a place to where 
um, my ultimate authority are my feelings exactly and how yes. I view truth and what I view truth to, to be. And that's a dangerous cultural spot we're in because that's so prevalent is, I mean, kind of like, like you were talking a couple weeks ago in communion, Luke, just you do you, my truth, yeah. go find it. Um, that has be, become embedded so deeply in, in us that if we're not careful, that will even come out in our Christian faith. Right. So, yeah, I do, I do think like, so, so one of the reasons that I, that I ended up putting this, uh, this point in there as an application is because of, um, well, I, I think just because of the mass, a vast majority of people who do seek Jesus, which is a very good thing with the motive of, I just, I just want to make sure that I don't go to hell. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm saved. I want to make sure that, you know, get my golden, sure. Ticket. Get my golden ticket. And, and so they do the things, um, they, they do the works, uh, thinking, okay, now I'm good. But then I have actually absolutely no desire to obey Jesus and um, let him begin to transform their life. And so you see that play out and like, okay, well, I'll give Jesus a little bit, but I'm not going to give him everything. Um, I can I can do some of what Jesus has asked me to do, but I'm not even going to try to mess around with some of that other stuff because I just don't, I'm not willing to give it up. And who's to say that, you know, it's wrong for me to give that up anyway. Yeah, it's and, antiquated. And we, we don't like authority. We've yeah, got sure. we've got problems with authority. It's old. It's out of date. I mean, that was that was back then. Right. You know, if Jesus were here now, there's no way he would say that. Right. Yeah, and, we just and, gotta be careful. And the reason careful. to to bring it all of the way back, the reason that deep down all of us have difficulty submitting to authority, is because we like to control things ourselves, because we expect everything else to kind of cater to what what we're wanting right which is exactly what the crowd is doing they're expecting jesus the messiah to cater to the to the desires that they have and so they're boxing him up and it just doesn't work it's a tightly held expectation and it's kind of a weird tension to to kind of work through is on the one hand you got to hold your convictions about god very strongly like he is he is sovereign he is real and jesus is who he said he is you got to hold those but on on one hand you got to hold things loosely a little bit too that yes god is sovereign so he can act outside of your expectations yeah to hold some of your expectations loosely something i was thinking about just you know often it's we we tend to think that there's some hurdles before coming to jesus but often it's after coming to jesus some sins that we need to release and uh we don't have to talk through a lot of these i just thought it was interesting there's this this book in our resource room called respectable sins (laughs) so it's kind of like things that Christians are okay with. So some of the chapters are things like discontentment, unthankfulness, mm-hmm. pride, selfishness, lack of self-control, impatience and irritability, uh, anger, judgmentalism, envy, jealousy, and related sins, uh, sins of the tongue, and uh, worldliness. So just some respectable sins. Sometimes Jerry Bridges is the author there, and he just that I haven't read the whole book or anything, but just it's it's interesting to think about it in those terms of what are the sins that we have basically said, yeah, I can do that because Jesus has saved me, so I'm gonna do it anyway. Right. But He is the authority in all yeah. all of our life. Yep. So, um, man, good words. Uh, anything else to add on the authority question? Just ha- how maybe some best practices again? Could we I, submit I think, to Jesus? Authority? I think once once again. So, so w- w- where you're at with broken expectations, um, 
if if you've tried to um, fit Jesus into your own box and, and there's an expectation that you have of him that isn't anywhere close to what he's actually intended to do, then, then you have to learn to trust that Jesus just knows better than you do. Mm-hmm. That he is the creator and the sustainer of the universe and that you are not. That he has information about things that you do not have. Mm-hmm. And so you have to begin to relinquish some of your trust or some of, some of the trust that you have in yourself, some of the control that you like to hold on to. And you have to surrender that and trust Jesus is the son of God and he knows mm-hmm. better than mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And so if he knows better than I know, I'm okay with doing really hard things because it's going to get me where he wants me to be, not yeah. where I want to be. Which is exactly, so the bottom line, you know, we came up with was what Jesus intends to do, his plan, is always better than what we want him to do. So it's it's when you get to there, that that truth of a bottom line that you can say, this challenge, Jesus, I trust you with, fill in the blank. Right. So um, that was a, a great bottom line and challenge to come away with this story. Um, you know, the traditional, what's your five and two? Uh, Jesus can do great things with what you bring him. And sometimes, like you said, what we need to bring him are things that we're not trusting him with. Right. And so, yeah, think through what you're holding on well, to. I would say, I would say that's always what we need to bring well, him. Well, yeah. You know, that's always what we need to bring him are things that we're not trusting him with. Um, and that's going to be something that you are going to have to learn the rhythm of doing that every single morning and every single day, bringing to Jesus the things that you have a hard time trusting him with. Cool. Uh, it's been a good discussion. Anything else to add, Adam? No, nope, I think we're good. Yeah. Okay. I'm still just so curious about the boy because yeah. after looking at the text and all that sort of stuff, I've drawn, I've drawn Sunday school sheets when I was a kid about the that literally picture the boy with a smile on his face handing the food to Jesus. And that could have been that could have happened. Yeah, but I'm just I don't know, man. It, it seems like maybe they were just asking around, like who's got some food? Oh, I see that kid. Hey, kid. Hey, kid. Hey, kid. What you planning on doing with that five loaves and that little uh, fish marmalade that you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's wrap up with a game. And cool. Um, I thought it'd be fun because Jesus was so confusing in this text. He told a riddle of sorts to see who can be the first to answer five riddles. Oh, my goodness. First to five. Five riddles? We have until next episode. (laughs) The first to five. All right. So whenever you – and you can play along at home, too. As I read these, you think about what is this. All of them are going to be I'm blah, 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 blah. So what am I? All right. Mm. So here's the first one. We'll start with – I think it's – you know, it's not too hard. We'll see. We'll be the judge of that. All right. I'm not good at riddles. riddles. Okay, well, it might be Adam straight five in yeah, a row. Yeah, it, it could be. Okay, I'm tall when I'm young, and I'm short when I'm old. What am I? Tall when I'm young, I'm short when I'm old. I'll start giving you clues too. Yeah, you might, you might Benjamin light, Button. You might light me with a match. <laughs> uh, sometimes you get some fire? that are scented, and sometimes they are unscented. Oh, it's a candle. It's a candle. candle. Okay. Candle, yeah. All right, this one's maybe a little easier. Doubt it. I'm a god, a planet, and I measure heat. What am I? You're a god. I'm a god, I'm a planet, and I measure heat. I don't know. <laughs> well, Hold there's on. only eight planets, so start Mercury. naming. Mercury, there you yeah, go. Okay. Like the thermometer, the little, yeah, yeah. yeah Mercury. Okay. Um, this one, I'll give you extra clues, too. 
you go at red, but stop at green. What am I? This is something you, so you eat. Go. You go when it's red, but when it turns green, you stop eating. Um, uh, something a summertime fruit. Like an apple, a peach. A, Not an apple. Uh, it red. Much bigger. Uh, watermelon. Watermelon. Yeah. All right, Luke, you're up. You said you're, you're, yeah. you know, you're up two to one, though, yeah. now. That's just because he doesn't know how bad I am at these. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have a tail and a head that never meet. Having too many of me is always a treat. What am I? <laughs> a tail and a head that never meet. Having too many is always a treat. I don't know. An animal cracker. You yeah. guess like money? Huh? Yeah. Do you have like money? Do so I if have you have money? too many of these, it's always oh, good. A head and a tail. So oh, it's a coin. It's a coin. It's a coin. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Man. This one's all right. This one's kind of fun. Uh, Can we do football trivia? Football trivia. <laughs> <laughs> How many months in advance did Patrick Mahomes book an Airbnb? Three months. Three months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, I shave every day, but my beard stays the same. What am I? A teenager. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. I shave every day, but, but my, my beard, beard stays, stays the same. same. I don't know. Luke, you've referenced going to this person. Oh, a barber. A barber shaves yeah. every day. Okay. Right. All right. All right. I think we'll just do one more. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> Merciful. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm the beginning of everything. Time. The end of everywhere. I'm the beginning of eternity and the end of time and space. What am I? Oh, so not time. Don't overcomplicate it. It's, it's God. It's really right? simple. Yeah. Is it God? It's the letter E. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. It's lame. All right. See? <laughs> Not on it, and you'll uh, get it later. All right. Uh, cheesy, cheesy. But, um, yeah. Hope hope, uh, hope that was a little fun, at least. I don't painful. know. Had a blast. It was, it was painful. painful. Had a blast. Uh, well, quarterbacks we, and rookies reported yesterday. Great news. Training There's camps have started soon or yesterday or something yeah. like that. All right. So, yeah. Football season is close. It's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. College and NFL. So. I think we're down to like as it's of, almost it's almost time for an episode of uh, football predictions. Oh, yes, yeah. uh, yeah. So I think it's seventy days. College championship uh -uh. champions, seventy days. So well, till the season starts. Forty nine. It was fifty yesterday. It's for regular season till the regular oh, season. Oh yeah, I have my numbers wrong. Yeah, because um, opening day for college is uh, what did we say it was? Uh, August twenty sixth. It is as you guys are listening. I believe <laughs> it is thirty two or thirty three days away. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it'll be thirty five or thirty four on it'll Sunday. It'll be thirty four or thirty five on Sunday. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So till week zero in college football. That's right. Okay. Well, we have lots to talk about um, before football season starts. We're also coming up on that year mark of this podcast. So once again, thanks for listening. Um, glad you've been with us. And we look forward to seeing you next week, <clears throat> excuse me, at Corinth to wrap up Retold. And then always, uh, we're thankful for you being back with us in the car next week, too. Until then, man, we love you. We like you. Have a good week. <laughs>